just a few moments, we're going to go to John chapter 2. But let me share with you a couple things before we do. Just a few weeks at the end of May and also the beginning of July, we take time out to reflect on our American holidays and what they represent, our patriotism, if you will. Did you know another significant day happens, comes about 50 days after the crucifixion resurrection weekend? In the church, we call it Pentecost Sunday. This year, it's on June the 9th. And our heritage is Pentecost. You're in a Pentecostal church. You might be sitting out there going, oops, I thought I just pulled into a community church or I thought I just pulled into one of those nominal churches or I didn't know I was in a Pentecostal church. Newsflash, you're in a Pentecostal church. Yes, we're the ones that typically have the holy roller, fanatics, crazy people, hyper-spiritual. <laughs> So just your good fortune, you drove onto the parking lot today and your neighbor was across the street, saw you pulled in. So they think you're a fruit loop like the rest of us. My whole thing is you might as well enjoy it while you're here and you've already been labeled, right? But our heritage is Pentecost. And over the next few Sundays, I want to kind of marry those terms. I want to talk about our patriotism to Pentecost our allegiance to the Holy Spirit and what he is doing in our lives and what he is doing in the church. So if you'll turn with me to John chapter 2, I want to entitle the message today, Toast of the New Wine. Toast of the new wine. John chapter 2 beginning at verse 1 it says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatever, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Then also there's a verse of scripture that I want to read from Mark chapter 2, 
It's the words of Jesus. One verse, Mark 2 and verse 22. The Lord said, and no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine does burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. I'm going to ask you to stretch your hands this direction and pray God's anointing upon me and also for physical strength today. Had some physical challenges the last couple weeks, and I just covet your prayers. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, right now, I ask you to anoint your servant. Lord, I'm not able or capable. I do not have the gifts mixed to communicate. I do not have the talent outside of your presence to minister this word. But God, if you will anoint me with fresh oil, we will be able to share the gospel as you have directed. Thank you, Lord, for our Pentecostal distinctive. Thank you, Lord, for the work and the meaning of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God working in the lives of your people. Speak to us now in a way that only you can, that you and you alone would receive the glory, the honor, and the praise for these things. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Those terms are sometimes used interchangeably. Thank God for the wind that blows from on high. Grateful for the river of living water that breaks forth from within our spiritual man. For the heavenly dove of comfort who is an ever-abiding presence in our lives. Today, I can tell you I am saved, I am sanctified, and at age 19 in a Jensen and Richie Franklin revival in Chesapeake, Virginia, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not ashamed to be Pentecostal. Many symbols are found in the Bible that represent the Holy Spirit. Symbols like oil, or water, or fire. Symbols like the dove, and wind. And each one have their significance, and should be studied out carefully by the child of God. But today, I want to zero in on the new wine, if you will, as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in the New Testament and said these words, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And I submit to you today that there is a new wine to enjoy, a new wine to taste, a new wine that may very well alter your senses, not for your harm or your destruction, but to change you and to affect you for the glory of God. In all my years in Pentecost, I have yet, to this moment, seen anyone embarrassed that was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I have yet to see anyone injured that was under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And I say today, I want more of the new wine of the Holy Spirit. I want more of the new wine. 
I want to partake more. I want to drink more of the new wine. I want more of the new wine poured out of me into the lives of other people. Now, before I go further, let me just stop here and make sure that I am clear in my communication today and tell you without any reservation that I am opposed to alcohol of any kind. Amen. You won't find me drunk and you won't find me social drinking and I will not endorse either one. Drinking and drunkenness from worldly alcohol, I believe it violates both God's holiness and it violates our testimony. Now don't shout me down here now, okay? Maybe on another occasion I will deal with the subject more specifically. But I do know that in the world of carnal and ungodly wine, on occasion you may be somewhere where a toast is offered. Usually it's a special milestone in a person's life. It's an accomplishment that has been fulfilled. And so everybody lifts their wine glass to participate in the toast of the individual that is being celebrated. You might have heard some along this line. Like if someone is toasting at a wedding, they may say to the couple, a toast to love and laughter and happily ever after. Maybe if you're somewhere where someone is graduating with honors, although I've never heard this one before, I thought it was kind of interesting, you might hear this toast. Here's to becoming top banana without losing touch with the bunch. <laughs> Maybe if you're at an elderly person's birthday party, you may hear a toast like this. May you enter heaven late or... Uh, don't be fooled when there's snow on the roof, there's still fire in the furnace. Well, friend, the, the new wine of the Spirit is sent to us today with some toast, if you will, from the divine trinity. I believe the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost has some intentions and some well wishes for each and every one of us to enjoy as we participate of the new wine. The first toast, I believe, that the Spirit of God, the Son of God, Father God would say to us today is that when you have the new wine of the Spirit, the toast to you and I is simply the word grace. You see, when I look at Jesus' first public miracle, he has turned water into wine at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. I imagine the bride with all of her jewels and the groom in his garland of flowers. A lot of guests have shown up for this wedding, and the wine has started to run in short supply. You see, in those, those days when a wedding took place, the reception could last from 7 to 14 days. And so Jesus and his disciples and, and his mother is present, and his mother looks at her grown son, and, and she says, Jesus, the wine is running short. And, and to which he responds and says, woman, my hour is not yet come. It almost seems like Mary didn't hear what he said or chose to ignore what he said because she looked at the servant and she said, whatever he tells you to do, uh, just do it. 
And so they look at the servants, look at Jesus, and Jesus tells them, you see those six water pots over there? Yes, the ones they wash their hands in. Yes, the ones that they may wash the dishes and utensils in. Yes, the water pots that are there for ceremonial cleansing. I want you to fill them to the brim with water. Now you got to remember, now these are six water pots and, and the scripture says two or three firkins. We're, in our language, it was, they were basically about 20 to 30 gallon water pots each. So we're talking a lot of uh, large containers that can hold a lot of water. But, but I found it significant this week when I was looking at this that I do not read anywhere in here where he asked the water pots to be emptied. I do not read anywhere in there where he asked the water pots to be cleansed. And the Bible says that when they, when they filled up the water pots, they drew out some and they bare it to the one who was in charge of the reception. It didn't matter if one water pot was two-thirds full. Jesus said, top it off. It didn't matter if they were less than desirable with what was inside the water pot. Jesus simply said, top them off. It doesn't matter if the water was filthy on the inside from so much usage. Jesus said, top the water pots off. And the Bible said the ruler was shocked when he tasted of the wine and he said to the groom, it's normal to use the best wine first, but you have saved the best for last. I tell you, when I look at that miracle, I'm amazed. All of Jesus' miracles amaze me. Me, and this one nonetheless amazes me as well. That Jesus Christ, through the power that he had within him, could change all of the water in all all six of the water pots into wine. And I celebrate that and I rejoice in that in his power over creation. But I got to tell you something. There's something that excites me equally or even more. And that is that Jesus could take six water pots that were filthy and he could cleanse them so that they could be ready for the new wine to be poured out of. They could be prepared. Now that is what I call new wine toasting grace. It is no doubt today in my mind that the Lord is sending an end time revival. There is a move of the Holy Spirit that is taking place in these last days. Conversions are multiplied exponentially especially outside the United States of America. He prophesied in the book of Joel and in the book of Acts. He said in the last days he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. But I got to tell you today, what is mind-boggling to me is that he would take a dirty old water pot like this fella, and he would not only cleanse me so that I could be poured into, but he would touch me so that I could be poured out of into other people's lives. I've come by to celebrate for a moment this morning that everybody in the house was nothing but a filthy old water pot, that we were vessels unto dishonor. But today, many of us are flowing with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. We're flowing with the new wine of the unmerited favor 
of Almighty God. I'm telling you, I've got skeptics and critics, and they cannot figure out how God could use a wretched vessel like me. And trust me, there have been times I've sat back and looked at some folks and said, how in the world, God, did you decide to use them? i tell you how it happened. Because the divine trinity toasted grace to that opening and welcoming individual. And I've learned, I learned a long time ago, God chooses who he uses, and he uses who he chooses. And I'm glad to say today that even though I did not choose him, he chose me. And because he chose me, he ordained me with his divine grace, his unmerited favor. And now today as I stand before you, I'm happy to tell you I drink of the new wine and the new wine flows through me to touch other people. Somebody ought to give the Lord a shout of praise for the toast of grace that's been extended to you. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. You've been chosen by God. You've been blessed by God. And now you are used to affect grace in other people's lives. That should give the lowest of sinners hope. That should give any person under the sound of my voice that feels like they're worthless. That should let them know no matter how bad your past has been, the divine trinity says we want to give you grace. We want to pour the new wine of the spirit of God in you. We want to pour it through you. We've got a great work for you to do no matter what your past has looked like. What is forgiven is under the blood. The Lord says I give you my grace. That's why Paul would write, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. <clears throat> You're looking at a dirty old water pot that has been cleansed by the Lord has been filled with the new wine of the Spirit. And now is being poured out of to affect change and extend grace in the lives of anyone and everyone that you and I come in contact with. Thank God, the new wine toasts the grace of God. I'll tell you something else, the new wine toasts. The new wine of the Spirit toasts change. Change. The words of Jesus in Mark chapter 2, they speak loud and clear to us. That the fermentation of the new wine will not be handled in old wine bottles. Or old wine skins. And you say, well, kind of break that down for us. Because that's a tough, tough verse of Scripture. You study it out, though, you understand that when wine was being fermented, it had to be put inside of a, a bottle or a pouch. 
and, and it was in part of the fermentation process to get it to its completion was for it to be to be agitated. And so not just any pouch or or bottle or wineskin could handle it. If, if that pouch, if that wineskin was older and more brittle, it, if it had aged and it had run its course, the, the new wine, as it would ferment inside of the pouch of the wineskin, because it being so brittle, it would, it would cause it to crack, it would cause it to break, it would cause it to burst open. And what Jesus was saying in Mark chapter 2, verse 22, was that you cannot put new wine into old wineskins with the fermenting process and expect that you're going to be able to keep the wine in place. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose the value of it. And so, and so the revelation here is that when the new wine is flowing in your life, when the new wine is ministered to you, the implication is there's going to be change. For you to handle the new wine, you have to be willing to change. And when you become the housing candidate for the new wine of the Spirit to be contained and poured properly through, you have to remain flexible and pliable so that you can be most effective. Now, this is a tough passage. This is a tough passage for two groups of people. The first group of people this is tough for is for new believers. New believers who want the benefits of salvation and a walk with the Lord but don't want to change. Come on now. You want to you live in your old wineskin of ungodliness. Now I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. Lord, help me here. We want, we want cheap grace. You know that free gift? Everybody says it's free. Yes, it's free. It's free to receive, but it's expensive to keep. I said it's free to receive, but it's expensive to keep. If you're going to keep it, it means you're going to have to bear a cross, and you're going to have to follow after Jesus. I'm telling you, the Word of God says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means the old wineskin has been put away, and a new wineskin is now ready. It's not only tough for new believers, but it's also tough for those who have served Christ for many years. Because if we're not careful, we want to live in the old wineskin of years gone by. But can I tell you something today? Every growing organism is a changing organism. There's not a person here that would want a newborn baby in their family and they love having that baby and we moan and groan about how quickly they are growing up but we would not want their brain to develop while their body stayed as an infant you don't want a 16 year old brain in an infant's body Although there's been times you've probably questioned. That's when those phrases come out like, you're really acting like a child. <laughs> None of y'all ever said that. You want to see growth. It's going to have to be a changing organism to be a growing organism. 
And you cannot keep doing the same things you've been doing and expecting different results. Man, you got to take a hard look at yourself sometime. As a believer, in the ministry, in whatever you're doing for the Lord, you have to take a hard look at yourself. The first time I accepted Christ, I guess I was about eight years old and have been more serious with the Lord since I was 19 years old. And though I'm 53 years old today, I'm still trying to hold on to that young title as, as long as I can. And yet, I am finding myself, as I'm getting older, if I'm not careful, I become more entrenched and in a rut because of traditionalism. And traditionalism, if you're not careful, can turn into legalism. And I want to tell you something. I believe in the ancient landmarks. I believe there are some things that are non-negotiables in the work of the ministry, but I also stand before you and say, I don't want to miss the wave of God's Spirit that He is wanting to send in these last days. I don't understand about our culture. You know, you got to look at your 20-year-old son and say, hey man, you need to teach me some stuff about this social media. Some of y'all have had to do that. You know? Because it's a different time. I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I don't want to miss the move of God. I don't want to miss the move of God. I don't know when I've been so blessed as I was this past week. On Tuesday and Wednesday night to hear the, the Spears and the Goodmans revived and the Looney Brothers and some of those great Southern gospel groups. I mean, they just, they raised the roof. And I, I'm telling you, they broke out once on my favorite song of the week was The King is Coming. I, thought I was about to call Tony and say, Tony, we're going to sing The King is Coming on Sunday. Some of y'all ain't never heard the song, The King is Coming, and yet I'm looking at a group of folks and knows exactly the song, The King is Coming, when the marketplace is empty and there, there's no more activity in the street. All the, all the, all the uh, things have gotten quiet because all of a sudden there is the trumpet sound and the king begins to march in. I'm telling you, I love the songs of the church. I'm grateful for the songs of the church, but I want to tell you something. As much as I love that, I want to make sure that the Pulaski Church of God is still reaching today's generation and if that means I've got to change and God help me to change don't let me get in the way of the new wine of God's spirit flowing through our town and through our county hallelujah hallelujah I had somebody tell me one time. We were building a new church where we were serving. The church we had been in seated about 200 people. And I'll never forget them saying to me, Pastor, we won't be transitioning to the new building it's just too big this is troubling for me sure enough when we moved into the new church they went somewhere else had been at the church for years
Change. Change. We went from pews to chairs. Change. We went from a long rectangular sanctuary where, where my memory reflects and recollects where a lot, of, a lot of the congregation liked to sit in the back. And now we're kind of here closer together. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, wow, this is a, the community feel of this sanctuary, though temporary as it may be, it's almost like the camaraderie has, has improved, the fellowship has increased. And now you're gonna be sitting in theater seats. Comfortable theater seats. I'll probably have to wake some of you up. And some of you have asked, are we gonna have, are we gonna be, are we gonna have a coaster for Coca-Cola's? No, absolutely not. Are you gonna serve popcorn? No, absolutely not. But here's a revelation. When you go to sit down, you're gonna to have to lower your seat and then sit down. Don't forget to lower your seat. You'll learn through practice or experience, you will lower your seat. It's a change. It's a change. But I'm going to tell you something. What, what, some things that are not going to change. The Word of God is not going to change. We will not become a social gospel church. We will not become a church that tells three stories and some political view and then says amen. We will not be that church. We will continue to preach the unsearchable riches of God's holy word. And we will continue to be a church that follows the leadership of the Holy Spirit because we're moving into a bigger room doesn't change the fact that we still need the fire and the oil and the dove and the wind and the new wine of the Holy Spirit to flow through the house of God and out of the house of God to touch people and change them for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, let your new wine flow in the house and bring about the necessary change that needs to happen. Well, praise the Lord. And I'm praying God raise up a generation. There's still a generation. I don't even know what they're called. I asked my son, I don't know that he knows what they're called. They're not millennials. Gen X. Gen Y? Gen, I don't know. But they're a harvest. We've got to go after them. There's still a generation, I believe, that will stand for the truth of the gospel, that will stand for righteousness that believes in being salt and light in our world. I'll tell you what we need. We don't need more information. This is an information overload in our culture. We don't need more information. We need transformation. Transformation just doesn't come from the letter, but it comes from the Spirit.
we need fresh outpouring amongst our children, our youth. I celebrate great accomplishments. I don't mind sitting on the sideline and cheering them when they nail the baskets or hit the home runs. But I'll celebrate more when I see them laid out in the Holy Ghost. When I see them being changed from the inside out into the image of Almighty God, I'm telling you, we have competition from the world, but God is greater. We need the drunkenness of the new wine that will radically alter our senses and cause us to want Jesus more than anything else. D.O. Moody said the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. Ralph Waldo Emerson was quoted as saying, people wish to be settled. They want to be settled, but only as far as they are unsettled is there any hope for them. Leighton Ford said, God loves us the way that we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Lord, change the wineskin of our soul, our mind, our heart. So when the new wine starts flowing, we will be ready. Hallelujah. Stories told of a pastor who brought home a 12-year-old boy. His parents had died in a drug overdose. His name was Roger. So he was coming to live with the pastor's family. At first, it was very difficult to adjust to his new home. Every day, several times a day, the parents could be heard saying, no, no, that's not how we behave in this family. No, no, Roger, you don't have to scream or fight or hurt other people to get what you want. No, no, Roger, you have to, you have to show respect in the family. That 12-year-old boy named Roger, over time, he began to change. Did Roger have to make all those changes in order to become a part of the family? No. He was made part of the family simply by the grace of the Father. It was tough for Roger to change, but he was, he was motivated by gratitude for the incredible love that he received. You're welcomed in the family. You are loved. But you change in your life because of your gratefulness for that love. And then that, that new wine begins to flow through you and it changes you. And it makes you effective on behalf of the family. Hmm. Some of you are missing out on what God wants to do through you because you're you're stiff-necked and you're unwilling to bend, unwilling to change. Maybe you're that, maybe you're that new believer, that young Christian who, who needs to change toward godliness. Mm. Maybe you're that seasoned saint that needs to change from a, a legalistic mindset and embrace that God is doing something new in the 21st century. Don't panic. 
We're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. In its history that I'm aware of, the church has never had a playground. Maybe there's someone here that says, we don't need a playground. Bless God, make them come and sit down. Be quiet and listen to the message. You'd be surprised that somebody may come to visit one day and stay for a lunch or they send their kid to kids' church for the first time and the child goes out and plays on that curly slide that pastor was going to make sure that we had. That's right, I put in for a curly slide. A playground is not a playground, in my opinion, unless it has a large curly slide. And that parent may go away from here saying, well, service was okay. But that kid goes away from here going, Mom, I had a blast today. I got to go on a curly slide. I've never been on a curly slide. Can we go back to that church next Sunday? God help me. Change me, O oh Lord. Let the new wine of your spirit toast the change in my life. Pour into me, Holy Spirit, because I need a refreshing. But don't let it stop with me just being poured into. But I also, Holy Spirit, want you to pour through me. Someone else needs your new wine in their lives. New wine toasts grace and new wine toasts change. And then finally, give me just a few more minutes. The new wine toasts a spirit-controlled life. Spirit-controlled life. It's amazing how many of us are filled with the Spirit, but we're still very much led by the flesh. We buy cars, we buy houses, we get into relationships, we make major life-altering decisions, and we never talk to the Holy Ghost about it. In Acts chapter 2, when the 120 came out of the upper room, they were speaking in languages that they could never have learned on their own. And I, I imagine, in fact, I know they appeared to be intoxicated, maybe even staggering around, I'm sure. In fact, the critics said they were drunk on new wine. But in fact, they were controlled by the Holy Spirit. When I pray, I want to be controlled by the Spirit. Amen? When I go out with family, I want to be led by the Spirit. When I preach, I want to, I want to be led by the Spirit. Paul wrote and said, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are called the sons of God. And then he goes on to say, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You don't... You don't no child of God has the option to say, well, I'm saved, but I'm not led by anyone but myself. That's, that's not an option for a child of God. Not an option. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 73, 24. To me, it's the essence of life. It simply says these words. 
you shall guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. That's pretty much life wrapped up in one verse. You shall guide me with your counsel. I mean, I love, I love to dance in the spirit, shout in the spirit and jump in the spirit. run in the spirit i have fallen out in the spirit i've prophesied in the spirit preached in the spirit i've laid hands on others in the spirit but i want to tell you something when i get in my car to go home i don't leave the holy ghost at the altar he's the same holy ghost monday through saturday as he is in a pentecostal church at 10 30 on sunday morning The new wine, the toast, the wish, the plan of the divine trinity for every one of us is to be led by the spirit of the living God. I'm getting ready to close. But did you know that when you walk in the spirit, you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh? This is serious stuff, man. I mean, this is... You know, this, this Christianity thing, is, it's, just, it's, it's, just not, it's just not getting our name written in a book up in heaven. It's just not making sure that our ticket is stamped for glory. The Spirit of God drew you to the Lord. The Spirit of God convicted you. You were saved and born of the Spirit. Paul wrote and said, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. So the Spirit convicted you, the Spirit brought you to the altar, and when you got up from the altar, you began a journey of walking in the Spirit. Which means that the Spirit should be controlling your life. There's one little phrase in the book of Acts. The disciples were about to make a decision, and this is what they said. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. There you go. Holy Ghost, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? Holy Ghost, who do you want me to reach out to? I want you in control. Where do you want me to work? That young man that won't even come to church with you and your heart is just smitten with him, Chances are pretty good you're not being led and controlled by the Spirit in that relationship. Y'all out there? Spirit-controlled. Spirit-led. The new wine. The new wine. The toast. The toast of the Trinity to you. The new wine of heaven to you is that I'm extending to you my unmerited favor, my grace. You're a dirty old water pot. Look at your neighbor tell him, you're a dirty old water pot. I follow up by saying, but God's grace. Come on, make sure you say that second part, but God's grace. The Lord is toasting grace to us through the new wine. 
The Lord is also toasting change. He's saying, my desire for you is for you to, to be the vessel through which my new wine can flow. I don't know what that looks like. That's different for different people. And the new wine, the toast of the new wine is that you have now become a person controlled by the Holy Spirit. I wonder today if in this house there would be those that say you've awakened within me a thirst for the new wine of heaven to be poured into my life. You're a believer. You're a child of God. Maybe it's been a while since you've partaken of the new wine of the Spirit. Say, I want to be a candidate of grace. Not only grace to me, but grace through me. I need the new wine to flow. Lord, I don't want you to just pour new wine into me, but I want you to pour out of me new wine to affect, change, and extend grace in other people's lives. I must have the new wine of the Spirit. You're here this morning, you say, you know, I, just, I need more of a Spirit-controlled life. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be I want to be taken by the Spirit. Jesus in one gospel, one gospel said he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Another gospel said he was driven by the Spirit. I wonder if there'd be a multitude of believers in this house that say, you know what, I want more of the new wine. I just want more of the Holy Ghost. I just want more of the new wine flowing in my life. Come on, we're Pentecostal believers in this house. There's no reason why this altar shouldn't be filled with hungry hearts and thirsty souls right now that just want more and more. More and more. More. Be covetous of the new wine. Be greedy for the new wine. Hunger and thirst for the new wine of His Spirit. Lift your hands to the Lord. Throw them up in a sign of surrender. Say, let your new wine be poured into me. Let your new wine be poured through me.